engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to our time of prayer and scripture reflection together. I'm pro-life leader Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life, one of the largest pro-life organizations in the world, and uh, certainly welcoming you to be part of our efforts. Thanks for being part of our family, coming here and watching these broadcasts. Spread the word. Bring others in. Uh, and uh, leave your prayer intentions, if you like, in the comments so that we can all know how to intercede for one another during this time and, uh, and all the time. I'm going to read for you today from the Gospel of Matthew, the passage where Jesus teaches us the Our Father. And I'm going to share with you why it's actually a dangerous prayer to say. I mean, we say it, we, want, we need to say it, but we need to be prepared when we say it, and I'm going to show you why that's the case. So let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, you give us the forgiveness of our sins, and we want to start today by asking with a renewed spirit of repentance for the forgiveness of all our sins, what we have done, what we have failed to do, ways that we have dishonored you, ways that we have fail to serve our brothers and sisters. Bless us now as we come and hear your word because it was your word that created the universe. It was your word that created us. It was your word that became flesh. It is your word that will raise us from the dead. It is your word that judges the thoughts and motives of the heart and also renews us and gives us a new heart and a new spirit. We praise you for your word. May we understand it more deeply. May we live it more faithfully. May we proclaim it more boldly through Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. Jesus said to his disciples in praying, Do not babble like the pagans who think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This is how you are to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your transgressions. Well, first of all, brothers and sisters, and Jesus gives various lessons on prayer in uh, the Gospels and other parts of Scripture teach us about prayer. Much of Scripture is, in fact, prayer. We see that it's about a relationship. It's not like a vending machine. And the pagan view of prayer, Jesus says here, the rattling on of words, they think that mechanical aspect of it is what makes them heard. And Jesus is saying, well, don't you realize he's your father? There's a relationship here. Are parents counting the number of words their children are saying to determine whether or not they're going to meet their needs? It's about a relationship. Yes, the prayers need to be said. There should be words. Some prayer is without words, but it's not magic. 
and it's not vending either. Put certain amount of coins in the machine, certain amount of things will come out. No, this is not the way prayer is. It's adoration, it's thanksgiving, it's worship, it's contrition, it's intercession. It's all the different things we do in a relationship. It's expressions of trust, gratitude, tenderness, love, expectation, or just sitting there gazing at one another. Just like You take all the different elements of a healthy human relationship or a deep human relationship of love, all those different elements of that relationship, all the different positive, beautiful, self-giving, self-giving love, receiving love, that you can imagine in a human relationship, all of that teaches you about prayer. All of it. Sitting together in silence with someone that, that you care about. Asking a friend for help, receiving the help of a, of a loved one. Any dimension of any positive human relationship says something about some aspect or dimension of prayer. Why? Because it's about that relationship. Now, because the love of God is intimately and integrally related to the love of neighbor, that connection between the, the horizontal love and the uh, horizontal love and the vertical love is incorporated into the meaning of prayer as well. And that's where Jesus says, "When you stand to pray, forgive. When you stand to pray, forgive." Now, Jesus brings this out in a number of passages, and we think, for example, of when he says, well, if you have your, your, your gift brought to the altar, and there you remember, okay, as you're going to worship God, you remember that somebody's got something against you. Maybe you've done something wrong, or you failed to serve them the way you should. He says, put the gift there. I want you to come back. I want you to worship me, the Lord says. But Go! to the person you're not reconciled with and get reconciled. Then you will be ready to offer your gift to the Lord. Then you will be ready to be reconciled with Him in a way that's meaningful, not mechanical. In a way that's real, not superstitious. In a way that's based on love, not on magic. You know what the problem with fake religious worship is? And we've got some prominent people who are fake believers. They want your votes, but they don't want to be honest about what they believe. Problem is that they, they think this is magic. They don't want to actually be reconciled with the unborn. You know, the question of whether politicians should be receiving communion, to me, is resolved by that particular passage that I was just referring to, and you know, you're coming to offer your gift to the altar, you want a union with God, you don't have union with your unborn neighbor. That baby in the womb has something against you, it doesn't matter if they can't express it or say it or think about it. It, it, it. Objectively, you have made yourself the enemy of that unborn baby if you don't even recognize his or her humanity or not even lifting a finger to protect them. Or in fact, like many politicians are doing, you're actively engaged in in, 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 in having them killed and allowing more of them to be killed. They've got something against you in the sight of God. You can't offer your gift to God. Or you can't even offer it, much less receive the communion until you get reconciled. So 
it also presents a challenge to us to forgive. And this is why I said at the outset, saying the Our Father is a dangerous prayer, because look at what we're doing. We're giving God the example of ourselves, and we are asking Him to make His forgiveness of us dependent on our forgiveness of others. Wow, we really, ought to, we really need to be making that strong effort to forgive if we're going to set that up as an example for God to forgive us. This is exactly what we're saying. Forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our sins, our debts, as some translations say, right? As we forgive our debtors, as we forgive those who sin against us, as we forgive those who trespass against us, Lord, we're saying, look at me and use me as an example. Now watch carefully, Lord, because if someone hurts me or if someone is indebted to me and I forgive them generously, graciously, consistently, well then, Lord, I want you to forgive my debts to you. Forgive, forgive them because I can never repay them on my own, so I really need your forgiveness. And I want you to do it generously and consistently and faithfully and quickly and readily, just like I do to my neighbor. But watch me closely, Lord, because if I hold back my forgiveness, if I don't forgive a debt, I don't want you to forgive me either. Now, can we really say that? That's why I say it's a dangerous prayer, because if we do say it, we're asking God to hold off on His forgiveness of us. But we need that forgiveness to be saved. And so Jesus, as in this passage in, in Matthew 6, as He gives us the Our Father, then expands on this point. And He says it as clearly as it can be said, if you forgive others their transgressions, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. If you don't, He won't. He expressed this, of course, in the parable of the, the servant who owed his master a huge amount, the master forgave the huge amount, the servant goes away from the master, encounters a fellow servant who owes him a mere fraction of the amount, and doesn't forgive him. Then the master hears about it, gets angry, and puts the servant in, in jail. He says, I forgave you generously, why couldn't you forgive your, your brother a mere fraction of that? And that's, that illustrates the very same lesson. By the way, if you take the, the actual Greek translation and look at the amounts, I saw some commentators saying that it translates into the master forgiving a debt of $9 million and then the servant going off and refusing to forgive someone who owed him $15. I mean, you got to be so selfish, so myopic, so misguided, and that's where we have to realize that the call to forgive one another, which, by the way, as I've explained in some earlier reflections, has nothing to do with justifying evil or papering over the difference between someone who treats you right and someone who treats you wrong. And it doesn't even mean that you're going to become uh, cozy friends with your, 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 your enemies or those who injure you. No, it means you forgive in the sense that you're not going to try to strike back and do evil to the person. You can push back and restore your rights. Someone hurts your reputation, they're in trouble, and they need to restore it. Somebody said something bad about you, they got to go back and say something good. Somebody told a lie to somebody else, or, or maybe at that moment they thought it was true, they got to go back and fix the damage. 
They've got to go back to those people and say something good about you to restore you. People have a right to their reputation. So it doesn't mean not fighting for your, your rights. It means not wishing ill on the other person, not hating the other person. Because then you're giving, as I reflected the other day about loving enemies, then you're giving the other person too much power over you. You don't want them to have the power to destroy your relationship with God. Don't give them that power. Forgive. And that forgiveness, that call to forgive, is rooted in the historical fact of the crucifixion. The blood of God was shed for you while you were yet far away in enmity with God, a sinner, an outcast. God broke into that enmity, bridged that gap, healed that divide, restored health where there was a wound, raised the dead without us even asking for it. Forgiveness is forward-moving. Of course, another person, in order to be reconciled, has to also repent. Forgiveness is not something you can impose on anybody. If they don't want to repent, there's not going to be that, that reconciliation. But at least if you have the open heart and you always have the positive attitude, I have nothing against you, I'm not seeking vengeance, I don't want to hurt you, I want you to repent and come to salvation, then you're at peace. It's like Jesus uh, sending out those uh, disciples, you know, send your, your peace, bless, bless the houses you go to. And if the person there is not worthy, your peace will come back to you. It will come back to you, even if that other person remains unwelcoming. So this is the challenge of the Our Father. And brothers and sisters, the Lord will give you the grace to do this. You may not feel ready or able to forgive certain people in your life. Again, we're not talking about becoming buddies with them or even having good feelings toward them. But here's what we need to do if we feel there's someone we really can't forgive. At least, can, first of all, we have to ask ourselves, can we at least pray for them? And here, let me lead you in an exercise right now. You know, to pray for someone doesn't necessarily mean that at that moment you have to be saying their name or even thinking about them. All you need to do is to express to God your intention Again, now this is not magic. It needs to be sincere on your part. It's sincere choice to include that person in the benefit of your prayers. And we can do it right now. And it'll last a lifetime unless you reverse it at some future point. Think now about a person that is an enemy, a person who did wrong to you. We're not going to justify or excuse them for doing it. But say to the Lord, if you say to the Lord right now, Lord, when I pray, when I pray the Our Father, when I pray in general, in whatever way I like to pray, I intend right now that each time I pray, among all the other things I'm praying for, Lord, I include that person. That's all you have to say, like right now. And then that lasts for life until you were, were, to, were to reverse it. And so we'll say that again here now as we pray together, but if you can't even do that, then ask God for the grace to forgive. Because He will look favorably even on your desire to have the grace to do something that you feel right now that you can't even do.
So let's pray. Father, we, we pray right now just for anyone and everyone in the world, including those that have hurt us. And we say to you right now, Lord God, that we, we always intend to pray for them, include them in the intercession that we make to you when we say we pray for everyone, include them, Lord, even our worst enemies. And Lord, if we have anyone against whom we really feel a grudge, we ask you, give us the grace. Give us the grace to be able to pray for them and to forgive them. Give us also the strength to stand up for what is right. To restore our rights where necessary. But Lord, not to hate. So let's say that dangerous prayer now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray to our Heavenly Mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Friends, now we're coming upon the anniversary of the reversal of Roe v. Wade. We have done a lot of educational work helping people understand what the Dobbs decision says and doesn't say, what it does and doesn't do, how we can build on it. We can't build on it unless we understand it. So I I want to invite you to go to supremecourtvictory.com and take a little mini course uh, on your own of, uh, of, of looking at the videos and reading the articles that are there. Lots of great stuff to understand this really monumental decision that the court made to give us this victory and to allow the people to protect the unborn. We uh, have a prayer there that I'd like to say with you again now. We've been saying it all week, and you might want to share it with your pro-life groups, your, your, your family, your, your churches, and uh, let's pray it together now. I share it on social media and obviously wherever you can spread it. Lord God and Father of life, you love all that you have created, and you protect all who are in danger. You entrust us to the care of each other and establish earthly authority to protect the rights that you yourself bestow. Lord, for five decades, your people in America have prayed, marched, educated, lobbied, and voted, seeking to end the destruction brought about by abortion and the Roe v. Wade decision. And now, before our eyes, you have answered those prayers with the decision of the Supreme Court to reverse Roe and allow the people to protect the unborn once again. We praise you for your faithfulness and for the strength of our American Constitution that allows us to correct these mistakes. We thank you for the work of all in the pro-life movement over all these years to bring about this victory. We thank you for the lawmakers in Mississippi and elsewhere who have passed laws to protect the unborn despite the obstacles the courts have put in their way. We thank you for the voters who have elected pro-life candidates at the state and federal level in the hope that Roe would eventually fall. We thank you for President Donald J. Trump 
and for the justices he placed on the Supreme Court, all of whom voted to reverse Roe. We thank you for all the justices who courageously voted the right way in this case, despite pressure, protest, and threats. We thank you that they decided to restore to the people and their elected representatives the right to limit and prohibit abortion. Continue to give your grace and protection to them and to their families. Lord, as a result of this case, give the unborn and our whole nation a new and refreshing season of life. Bring us a new breath of freedom, a new measure of common sense, a rediscovery of justice and wisdom, and a big step forward in building a culture of life. Your Son, Jesus Christ, came to grant freedom to the oppressed. Grant freedom, then, to the children in the womb, and in these days set our nation on a course of rejecting the violence of abortion and treating children in the womb with equal justice under law. Thank you, Lord, for the victory of life. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. SupremeCourtVictory.com is where you can get that prayer. And friends, we want to ask you again, take some time on that site. Read the great articles and look at the, watch the interviews. We're doing special programming in these very days uh, to keep you really up to date on what this decision is and on how we can build on it. And may I ask you also to donate to our work we rely only on people like you, and we have a special need when every year in the summertime comes, we, we need people to do a little extra, push a little extra hard uh, to uh, help us continue our, our work. And we could really use your help, ProLifeGift.org. Uh, please go there, uh, give us a little donation, especially if you've never donated before. We want to welcome you into a, a partnership with this work. We are saving lives. We are spreading the Word of God, healing hearts and minds. and and, and, and building the culture of life together. Uh, please support us in that work. Thank you in advance. And we will talk to you soon. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.